everybody. It's Monday, December 20th, and that means it's time for another episode of Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia Nonprofit Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Cecilia Sup. I am the principal and founder of Rogue Tulips Nonprofit Consulting, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Agnes. I'm going to throw it over to Agnes to say hello. Thank you, Cecilia. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience, wherever you're joining us from. My name is Agnes Amos Coleman. I'm a consultant and an author. Over to you, Cecilia. Thanks, Agnes. And we are here today with first-time guest, but a long overdue invitation, Cheryl Ronk, who you probably know if you've ever studied for the CAE exam, because Cheryl has been a leader in CAE development for many years. Uh, Cheryl is here today to talk with us about preferred futures. So welcome, Cheryl. Would you like to say hello and give a little background about yourself? I would love to. Hello, everyone, and uh, happy holidays to you. Um, yes, so Cheryl Ronk, CAE, CMP, and I'm a fellow of ASAE, all proud designations. Uh, I had the opportunity to work for over 30 years for the Michigan Society of Association Executives. So I worked with a number of associations. During that time, I was instrumental in making a CAE program virtual and international. Uh, I retired in 18, started a little company called So Right. Uh, my last name's Ronk, so my tagline is So Right, It's Ronk, mm -hmm. um, developed by my children. Thank you, kids, uh, for doing that. And mainly what I've been doing these last three years is helping um, some CAE candidates, especially those that have already seen the exam, uh, one of my favorite group uh, to work with. Um, I've been uh, doing the executive searches and I've been doing some preferred futures. So I'm really glad that we have some time today to talk about it because I don't think that that many groups really understand the value of having a preferred future in their planning portfolio. Well, and I think that's a really interesting phrase, you know, Agnes and I were discussing it as we were getting ready for this episode. And, you know, I, I said to Agnes, well, being from Missouri, I'm pretty plain spoken. So I just say, where do we want to go and how do we get there? So that's pretty much what a preferred future is. But I think uh, it, to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Cheryl, a preferred future could also be a series of scenarios that an organization could find themselves in, right? Um, yes. In fact, what we do with the exercise is we really take thought leaders, and I think it's really important that the group get thought leaders involved in the process to think about what could be. And so often with strategic planning, and, and I'm not criticizing strategic planning at all, I think it's an important element, but strategic planning usually gets into that SWOT, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats which tends to think more about the organization itself. So it's more internally focused. What I mm. love about preferred futuring is it really talks about what the organization could do, where it could go, what the industry could do, where they're having problems. So it is a ton of scenarios mm. um, that, that focus on what ifs. Uh, and as a result, then the industry is really looking at what they need and how they together through their association can make it happen. I love that vision, actually. But one of the things that I'm kind of curious about, Cheryl, is, you know, with the volatile and the business environment and the volatility with COVID and just some of the, you know, challenges that, that we've been faced globally, where do you see preferred futures playing a role in this? Because 
the world, the business world is very volatile with these SREs. How do you think that we can take advantage of preferred futures uh, concept and mindset to improve our business? I think that's a great question. So for those organizations that were already in that mindset, I think they were able to bounce a little bit better through mm. this because they were already allowing the world that they work in and the people that they work with to be able to suggest ideas and to say, this is what could happen. Mm. So for those organizations that haven't done it, I think you need to try and invest in it. Now, again, for me, it's all about who as much as what. Mm. Um, So when I work with associations, we often say, bring in thought leaders. These are not just members. So I'll tell you, I had one opportunity where I worked with um, the red bean growers in Michigan. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm in Michigan and um, we grow a lot of, of beans up here. And instead of just having board members, which is what we often do with strategic planning, they brought in not only staff, some key staff members, um, but they brought in research people from some universities, not Mm. only in Michigan, but in the state of Washington, where they also grow a lot of red beans. And then they brought in a vice president from Bushes. So this is one of their major uh, customers. And we spent a whole day just talking about what if, what could be, what do you see as, as possibilities? Just getting them into that mode of thinking that way, because we don't normally think that. It's not when we do our to-do list that we go, oh, let's just forecast what could happen if. Mm. And because they did that, new mission statement, new vision statement, but some really big, ambitious type things. So, for example, at that point in time that I was working with them, um, there was more trade going on with Cuba. Now, Michigan has uh, this wonderful boat system. We have shipping that goes through Michigan. And so they started to think about how they could ship beans to countries that have hunger. Mm. Now, that's pretty ambitious, but uh, they were able to think that way. And by doing that and getting into that space, then they can make things like that happen. So if you're thinking ambitious goals, they can be more of a reality because Mm -hmm. you're at least thinking them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as COVID goes on, those organizations that were already in that mode were able to turn on the spigot and to Mm -hmm. say, we need to think that way because our world is different. And as a result, then they were able to implement it. I'll give you another example. So I worked with the Michigan Bankers Association on a preferred future, and it Mm -hmm. was a lot of things that were more federally focused. Well, when COVID happened, that group realized we're not going to be a traditional association with an annual meeting and a newsletter. Instead, because there is so much change going on from the federal and state government about funding, Mm -hmm. and especially impacting banks, that the whole staff is now going to turn into being research people. And every day, Monday through Friday, the association at 7 a.m. did a 45-minute podcast and briefing for every banker, whether you're a member or not, although I know that they got to 100% membership, 
on what had changed in the last 24 hours or on Monday for the last uh, 78 hours. That's awesome. And it's, so it's the way you think that, that preferred futures really gets into. And the more you can do it, um, I think that then the people involved feel that they can go to their association with bold ideas because mm. they're at least going to be listened to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, I, and I, I really like that because th- that is more the way I think I, I mm-hmm. don't do, okay. I'll be honest. I, I work with people and help them make strategic plans and help them implement them. But I'm always emphasizing, you have to be able to adapt and change this plan. If something, you know, disruptive happens like the lockdown, or you just have to be responsive because mm. things change. Uh, I personally, I, I will be honest, I do plan, but my plans are not strict. Mm. And this is why Cheryl, because of all these great points you're making, you know, there's other people out in the world who have other ideas. I've never thought I'm the font of wisdom. I'm always asking other people what they think and watching what other people are doing. And so I think uh, we say strategic planning that that becomes sometimes I think a trap in some ways, because we, we think we have to use SWAT for every strategic plan. And, you know, I guess, I, I mean, what's your opinion on that? I mean, uh, you know, I know some people yeah. love SWAT because it's an easy starting spot, but I don't know, Agnes, what do you think? You know, it's actually a question that I was, I wanted to ask because I was just fascinated with this mindset that Cheryl is sharing with us is that what, does that mean that the c- consultants who play in this field would have to retrain to be able to engage in this mindset or can they just repurpose their skill sets um, to deliver results? Or do we even need consultants to do this? Is that, I mean, I know there's a lot of questions, but as you were talking right. and sharing this vision, my mind is just going a hundred miles a minute thinking there's a great opportunity here for both organizations and consultants who play in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that strategic planning has its space. I know mm-hmm. that there's an association for strategic planning. I don't want in any way to discount that, but this is different. Mm. Um, to me, I, um, and do they need a consultant? No. Mm-hmm. Using a consultant sometimes I think can benefit because the consultant can pull you into a way of thinking that may be uncomfortable for the group, but because of what they know or they don't know, they can approach those things. So for me, and the scope when I'm working with groups, I say, I want to do the preferred future. From the preferred future, then let's do some strategic planning. Mm -hmm. From that strategic planning, if there's anything brand new, you might need to do a business plan. So let's say they they come up with that We're going to do a new credentialing program. The last group I worked with, that is what they came up with. And so with that, you need a business plan because that doesn't just happen overnight. We've got to sort of figure that out. And Mm -hmm. how does it divide up into stages? For me, the SWOT analysis, which I, I think of as strategic planning, usually tends to be more internal. And so it it is good to think about now that you see where we could go and the space that we could play for the industry. So let's just go back to the beans. Okay, so right now 
these growers sell X percent to this company and X percent to that company. And so they have this excess. So could the association then get into the business of shipping these beans? It, it happens in industry. So the milk producers have their own trucks. They hmm. take milk from farms to pasteurization facilities. That is done by an association. Hmm. So to allow them to think in that space, then you do the SWOT analysis. So do we have the talent? Do we have the resources? Do we need money to be able to do that? Then it also divides up into an annual scope of work. So again, preferred future drives mm -hmm. your strategic plan, business plans if needed, and your annual scope of work. So then mm -hmm. annual scope of work is what are we going to bite off or really be able to handle in the first year? Once, ah, and by the way, the, the preferred future should be approved by the board, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. as uh, the strategic plan, any business plans, and that annual scope of work should be approved by the board. Then mm -hmm. from that annual scope of work, the CSE and their team, their staff, should divide up into uh, two, two, work, two more documents. One is the proposed budget, the budget mm -hmm. based on those documents and the work groups. So you may find that you don't need some of these committees or task forces that you've had because you're now changing some of the focus. Mm. Um, and, and then what I love is that annual scope of work is what the CSE or the top staff person in the organization mm -hmm. should be evaluated on. Mm -hmm. So that is then approved. It's recommended by, by the, the CSE, the chief staff mm -hmm. executive and approved by the board. And then that's part of their evaluation. Um, so for me, it just, it gives a sense of coordination of moving forward with mm. everyone moving together. Wow. Did that answer that's your question? Fascinating. Yeah, it does, it does. And it, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I guess we need to have you back to come and explain and give us some kind of a, a, a process, you know, benchmarking on how, you know, if organizations are interested, how do they go a step-by-step -step approach on how they can accomplish this? That's that's a discussion for another day, but thank you. All right, yeah, that's really, yes, and yes. you know, and unfortunately, uh, I'm, I mean, fortunately, Agnes mentioned you coming back because unfortunately we are at the end of our episode already. Uh, this is a great topic. And just in closing, I just want to say, Cheryl, first of all, this is a great explanation of preferred futures. You're not the first person I've heard say it. Uh, and, and it also emphasizes an approach that uh, I take, which is strategic planning is a tool yeah. to support your mission. And so your preferred future should also be driven by your mission mm -hmm. or your vision or both. You know, Basically, where do you want to be? How are you are going to get there? So Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show. And we will definitely have you back. Uh, what is a good way for people to get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about preferred futures and your approach, uh, your website or your email? So I don't have a website, but I have email. And our email is Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L at sowright, S-O-R-I-G-H-T dot org. And uh, I'd be pleased to, to respond if people even have questions on how to do it and what it looks like. Um, I'd, be, I'd be pleased to, to help anyone. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And uh, we have to go rogue for now. 
But uh, don't miss our last episode of the year next week, December 27th, where we talk with Nasha Guatizzo about social entrepreneurship. In the meantime, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the series because you don't want to miss any episodes, especially next year in 2022. Uh, check us out if you want to learn more about Rogue Tulips and how we can help your organization move forward. Uh, you can check us out at roguetulips.com and check out our sister company, the 501C League, a leader in education for nonprofit professionals. We uh, emphasize the CAE program. Cheryl and I both uh, co-facilitate several pr presentations, including CAE Redux and our annual, I'm sorry, our monthly ethics course that we do, which is relaunching in January with new content. You can learn more about the 501C League at the 501CLeague.net. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next time.